The media will have you believe that there's no money in the economy and that's that's not the case for everyone. So I think the first thing that people should do is actually have that perception that people will, are still willing to buy. Hello, I'm Holly Mackay. And I'm Ishita Cabra-Davis. Welcome to our extra show where we talk about today's insights for tomorrow's challenges. Yes, whether you're an established startup, a savvy small business, or indeed an established enterprise, we're going to bring you expert thinking on the big topics impacting small businesses everywhere today. So Ishita, tell me, what's coming up today? This week, we're talking about the importance of adapting your sales strategy in a cost of living crisis. And three key steps to improving your customer relationships during these challenging times. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Alison Edgar, MBE. Alison, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. So, Alison, why don't you give us a little background about yourself? So I'm Alison Edgar, MBE, also known as the Entrepreneur's Godmother. (laughs) So I've written a couple of books, Secrets of Successful Sales, which in 2018 was an Amazon number one around the world. The independent newspaper voted it one of the top business books written by a woman. And I also in 2020 wrote the book Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want. But I left school at 16, later diagnosed as dyslexic, so no qualifications in business, but now run a company uh, teaching sales, teaching leadership and speaking at events. A common mistake for businesses when facing challenging times is that they change their marketing strategy instead of their sales strategy. Can you explain your views on what is actually the difference between marketing and sales in this context? And why is it important to change both of them, not just one? Oh, I love this topic, literally love it. So I think when you start a business and and a lot of small businesses, they don't know the difference. So when you say sales and marketing, it's like they're conjoined sales and marketing, sales and marketing. (laughs) They're two completely different things. And the other thing is operations also affects sales um, and how you generate your revenue. So what I did was when I wrote the first book, I tried to make it simple for people to understand. So I've got a little analogy that sales and marketing is like golf. So if we look at at marketing, your website, your mail shots, your social media, they sort of tee up. So they put the tee in the ground and put the ball in the tee. And then sales, the salesperson, they then take the ball down the fairway put the ball on the green and put the ball in the hole because only when the ball goes in the hole do you make any money. So that's they have to work together. But if I do this at a live event, it's hilarious. Someone from marketing will put up their hand and say, that's a load of rubbish, Alison. Us in marketing, what we do is we put the ball right beside the hole and you sales guys tap it in and take all the glory. But if your marketing is that good, if you've really created a brand that people want to buy for, if the brand story is good, then what will happen is it is that easy. It's when the human starts to get involved and you're having a conversation with another person. So again, if looking at a wholesale model, looking at a business to business model, that's when that comes into play. 
And somebody said, well, hang on, what about operations? You know, you're talking about sales and marketing, but what about the operations department? Well, they're like the greenkeepers. Because <laughs> if the grass hasn't been cut, if the bunkers haven't been raked, mm. then people won't come back and play the course again. So actually, business is like golf. And, you know, a lot of people um, are frightened of sales because when it comes to the human to human, there is a rejection. You know, most times in sales, we it's littered with people telling us no thank you mm. or maybe not even with the thank you in there, ladies. <laughs> it's just the no. And, and people then really hide behind their marketing in the hope that people will buy from them and they will get inbound inquiries. And I think that's one of the worst things that they can do. It's, it's about being proactive and making sure that, you know, the ball does actually go in the hole. And Alison, if I can come to you, it's about sort of being proactive. But of course, times are incredibly tough for, for people at the moment. We can see the cost of living starting to really bite. I think there'd be some sort of salespeople perhaps listening, sort of saying, okay, Alison, but I need a wee bit of help <laughs> to get that ball like in, into the hole. So, you know, talk to us about what you think about strategies such as discounting, for example, in climates like this, just to sort of give people that extra nudge. Oh, I love this topic as well, <laughs> because I think when times do get tough and, you know, I've worked in sales for over 25 years through recessions and, you know, we're, we are going through a tough time. There's there's no disputing that. You know, we've had a couple of years that people have really, you know, a lot of businesses have really struggled to trade and now they have to go back and do things differently. But I think one of the things for salespeople and entrepreneurial people, it's got to be that belief and that growth mindset, because if they go in with a fear, oh, I'm really sorry, I've had to put the price up, you know, if, if, they're, if they're leading with a lack mm. of confidence, actually, if they're not confident in themselves and their pricing, well, neither will their, their customers. So th there are different types, different reasons for the, the way people buy. And let's look, let, let's start with the first one, a prestige brand. So let's look at Rolex, for example. <laughs> like they don't ever 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 discount and mm. there's a two-year waiting list mm. to get a Rolex watch so I'm not saying everyone should be like Rolex but they're really confident that they've created a brand created demand for the brand and actually although you know we are going through tough times in our economy that's not the case for everyone there are still people out there who have money to spend and you know I was speaking to someone the other day and they had been um put on they had been working through the pandemic but living back with their parents and now they've saved so much money they're out there ready to buy houses and cars mm. so again it's that perception that you know the the media will have you believe that there's no money in the economy and that's that's not the case for everyone so I think you know if you assume that people have got no money then assumption does not do you any favours if you believe that people do you can um, actually deal with that from a sales perspective so I think the first thing that people should do is actually have that perception that people will, are still willing to buy if you have a product or service that people actually want to you know to have like rule watches Ferrari cars so that's your prestige brand then if you look the other thing that people do they buy on continuity so let's look at something like um, I'm not using the brand but let's say a really well-known ketchup brand okay <laughs> like it's red and it's ketchup so if we look 
for a lot of people that is their ketchup of choice so when they go into a store to buy that ketchup they don't actually look at the price because they've already mm-hmm. got that brand loyalty mm-hmm. but what people do buy and this is the psychology behind it is they buy on offers so if you look at a buy one get one free or a buy two get one half price or we actually do as a, as a consumer like an offer So when it comes to looking at putting an offer together, they really struggle with that. And what they do is they move on to price Mm -hmm. and and it becomes a race to the bottom. They don't know the margins. They're starting to lose money. And that's a dead sure way of actually, you know, not letting your business survive. You've talked about a couple of really big brands there. So Rolex and and the big ketchup (laughs) manufacturer. We can't guess who you're talking about. But I can hear also people saying, yeah, but hang on, they've got socking great big marketing budgets mm. behind them and, and, you know, a track record. So, you know, I'd love to hear more about this this concept of offers and how we might tailor those, particularly if we are startups and don't have those great big mm. brands behind us to trade off. So first of all, I believe that you can create your own marketing strategy without having a big budget. And the reason I say that is I've become in the business space quite high profile and I started my business with no cash whatsoever. Mm. Just a lot of hard work, a lot of collaboration. And I think that's if you look at how you grow your profile of your product or your service as a small business, collaborating with bigger businesses mm. will help to grow your profile. So again, it takes longer to do it organically, but it is possible. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is if you look, the easiest people to sell to are your existing customers. That's the easiest because they've already bought into you. They are brand loyal. And if you look when it comes to offers, if, you know, obviously we've got product businesses and we've got service businesses, but to create a, a service product doesn't actually cost you that much. But what you can do is you can charge extra for that. And if you look at that offer, you can expand. I call it the bingo strategy, right? So if you look at um, my, my sweet spot really is business to business because I do believe a lot of business to consumer is a is a hole in one for marketing it's mm. a, mar- a marketing function mm-hmm. but if you look you know my top tip is that people create a list of their existing clients down down the way and then the products that they sell across and again it's like a bingo card isn't it you've got all the things <laughs> and if you think okay these people will buy this product from me they're brand loyal if i had another product or service let again i'm, I'm bringing out more big brands mm. but hopefully it will help smaller businesses to understand if you think about Dyson we started off vacuuming our homes and now we dry our hairs with the product now we use and again it's the same type of strategy that creates something in your space and that will then increase the basket for your existing clients and that's where the offers can come in because if you know your margin if it's a service product and it costs you virtually nothing to make it that's that again you can make additional revenue for that and it's quite good fun when you use the bingo strategy because <laughs> i think sometimes people think sales and business can be a bit laborious and let's face it it's hard mm. it is hard and it is you know literally some days you feel like giving up some days you're like oh I've got this 
and I know that's I'm talking about that firsthand because even now some days I think is this worth it and then you find that you know you reinvigorate find the strength and find the energy and I think that comes to really focusing on the purpose of why you set the business up in the first place that's the thing that keeps you going so um, I think the offers are possible but you really again you need to know your margins around it and that's where I see a lot of small businesses just don't know the numbers. And Alison we've talked a lot about bigger companies bigger budgets um, and we've also mentioned the cost of living crisis Um, you know what can small businesses do in a very e-commerce driven world that we're living in at the moment what are the sales strategies that they can employ again with limited budgets (laughs) yeah I think limited budgets are great so obviously there's collaboration so we've looked at collaboration but if for example you've got a, a shampoo product let's say people become brand loyal then you can work on your social media strategy or your marketing strategy to get them to buy from you direct so that they'll actually make you'll make more money on there entrepreneurship can be the loneliest planet mm. in the world people just do not understand and it's it's oh, it's all consuming so really collaborating with people that have got for example I collaborate sometimes with somebody who is in marketing the easy side of the world you know whereas <laughs> not I'm fair, sales. not fair <laughs> but if you look that collaboration I've got skills that she doesn't have mm. and she's got skills that I don't have and actually that makes our offering double as strong as it was before so I think that it's you know the collaboration with other businesses A helps you really just enjoy the journey a little bit more but also also being able to to look at how you do that and again it's double the social media it's collaborating like for something like small business saturday they've got x millions just on that what what is small business saturday tell us so small business saturday uh, was originally created in the u.s by amex Mm. and then i think it was 2013 in the uk Uh, Michelle Oven, CBE, put together Small Business Saturday UK and every single year they celebrate for the month of end of November to the beginning of December 30 small businesses who are like the champions, people who have just done something differently or they've been tenacious or they've just got a great story or a great product. And what happens is they get a day, they get a day to celebrate, that's their day. And then usually about the 5th or the 6th of December, that's, that is Small Business Saturday. So that's when everybody's encouraged to, to shop small, to shop local. And I think the knock-on effect of that is once people get into the habit of shopping local or shopping small, they can see the benefits to their community. And I think that's the thing, it's, you know, you can't, I get asked a lot about the high street and I can remember I was commenting in BBC News about Beale's department store and they said, well, what was the reason you think that Beale's department store failed? And I said, because they didn't change at the right time. You Mm. change on the way up, not on the way down. Mm. And I think as small businesses, we're always on the way up. We're agile. (laughs) We can move quickly. We can do things differently. If our social media is not working, we can organically do that. And, And I think that's where... You know, you, as a, as a, a startup business, you know you're the 
chief is, is it, what is it they call it the chief uh, cook and bottle washer you know you do absolutely everything but as your business starts to grow you look at your strengths and then you can outsource to another small business so maybe it's your social media and really that that side of things but again you cannot do that until you know your numbers and know how to make money in the business because people say to me you know what's your secret you know what is the secret to a successful business I know it gets really complicated but actually sell more stuff spend less money (laughs) stay in profit so Alison we've got to say goodbye we're out of time for this week Ashita I think our lessons are spend more sell more things and don't forget the wholesale market as well as the retail market but Alison so many pearls of wisdom there so on behalf of Ashita myself and all our listeners thanks for joining us oh thank you so much for having me So now on to the three actionable steps on how to adapt your business to the cost of living crisis. That's right, Ashita. And step one is make it personal. Understand your customer's buying motive. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. Um, You know, when you have a small business, when you're just starting out and thinking about your product or service, it's so important to draw up user personas. I didn't actually know much about this, but it's really figuring out who are the customers that are buying your products? What what motivates them, you know, what gets them to tick and um, and really, you know, all these small gestures that you can make just to make them feel appreciated. They go a really long way. So keep it personal. I agree. And actually asking them what they want. Um, people are really willing to tell you and give you. I found that feedback if you go out and ask them. So I agree. It's um, a really rewarding exercise to do. Step two, relationship building is key with your clients and customers. I think that's true, Ashita. And we found um, a a Boring Money, I write a weekly blog, goes out to about 20,000 people, but it has a really high open rate, about half of our uh, recipients open it every week. Um, Well, it's probably because I don't tend to write so much just about Mm -hmm. the business subject matter. I'll kind of make it a bit personal, talk about what I've been up to that week, good and bad. And so I think what it means is people feel some sort of personal connection with the business it's more mm-hmm. than just a brand and a sort of that's service selling you provider. things all the time yeah I, I think so yeah and it gives them something back it's yeah. not always sort of saying right I'm only talking to you because I want you to give me 15 pounds today yeah. <laughs> it's actually saying I know you Mr or Mrs customer mm-hmm. there's a relationship here and we've got that conversation going so I found that really key yeah I really like that one and I think it just sort of makes it more personal than one of these big companies that we're anyway sort of competing with I think that's true. And that's certainly what social media has enabled us Mm. to do, what blogs have enabled us to do. It sort of removes that corporate sort of stiffness from the Mm. conversation and the relationship we can have with our clients. And finally, step three, surprise and delight. (laughs) Surprise and delight, people. (laughs) It's quite hard sometimes, isn't it, when you're sort of like struggling with accountants and lawyers and you go, right, surprise and delight, what can we do? But I found actually it's really interesting to try and explore what, what motivates people and how you can recognise loyalty with, with customers and for us with our readers. And a small example, I mean, we try, we run some consumer panels. We've tried to give people vouchers mm. from big department stores to nice. incentivise them. And, and that does kind of work. But really, oddly, what people wanted, and um, we did something that was quite a big exercise, involved lots of reader feedback. People wanted a boring money hoodie. And things like mugs. You Merchandise. Know, so, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's my tip. We found out the other day we can spend £3.79 and get a branded cup mm. or a mug posted out to some of our, our readers. Amazing. So I think it's small things and it's also sometimes it's the 
unexpected. So it mm. isn't just a monetary exchange. Sometimes it's a much more personal touch. Something where people feel you've actually, as the founder, taken the time to reach out to them. So one other thing I like doing is every week I'll email personally about sort of five, mm. six, seven of our readers and have a bit of a dialogue with them. And I personally love that because it reminds me why I'm doing you know, yeah. the job I'm doing today. It's one of the best bits of my week. And I think it keeps you in the loop and the pulse of what, you know, your customers or potential customers are thinking about. Absolutely. Um, and that's the end of our episode. Thank you to Alison for all her insights and knowledge. We're here to help equip you for your business journey. We really hope you found today's episode useful with some top tips and takeaways. And if you're looking for more information on the topic, you'll find even more invaluable resources on the NetWest website. Until next time. <laughs>